Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer, a motivational speaker, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And before I, I, I really have a great guest today, and I'm really excited to share with her and introduce her to you, because um, it kind of really comes down to this. There really is nothing like a brush with death to change the direction of our lives. And I know for all of us who have experienced cancer in one form or another, we've felt that brush. And I know that when I did, it changed my life in the direction of it. You know, prior to cancer, I'd always wanted to be a professional speaker. I could actually see myself on a stage, but, you know, sharing about sales techniques or whatever. Um, But honestly, how do you walk away from a good job with great pay and benefits You know, I dabbled a little bit with trying to get my foot in the door as a motivational sales training, but that door wouldn't really open for me. And it wasn't until cancer came along that I realized how fragile and how short life really is. My dream of speaking never left me, but my subject changed. I no longer cared about sales training. I wanted to do something that really mattered to me and where I knew I could make a difference. And finally, I had that subject. And it was going to be about breast cancer. I've been speaking to breast cancer audiences since 2001 in one form or another. And I do find great joy there. In fact, I just got back from speaking at a a wellness retreat for cancer survivors up in Washington State. And it was just so freeing for me to be where I love and doing what I love. And it doesn't even feel like work when you're doing there. But, you know, if you're just going through this and you haven't figured it all out yet, you don't have a plan. You're just starting down this journey, you know, and you you just have never thought about what you would want to do if you knew you could not fail. And I think that's where all of it begins is just realizing that it's time for you and time for you to move on and do that one thing that you have always wanted to do. But again, if you've never really thought it through, how do you know where to go next? Well, many of us don't know and don't figure it out. Some of us are lucky enough to figure it out early. So with that, we have a wonderful guest today who's going to help us with that path. So Katrine Fink is a certified life coach. She's also spent 23 years as a massage therapist, supporting people in healing and creating greater wellness. In 2012, Katrine was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she navigated this journey as a single mom, (laughs) that's tough, and sole financial supporter of herself and her daughter. Her cancer diagnosis taught her many valuable lessons, and I can only imagine that they, well, we're going to find out what those were. Katrine has a special love for supporting breast cancer survivors in moving forward, embracing life, and recognizing their journey as an avenue of growth and self-empowerment. I can't wait to hear more. Welcome, Katrine. Thanks for joining our show today. Thank you so much, Becky, for having me. I really appreciate it, and I'm excited to be here today with you. 
Well, I just know you have so much. When I'm kind of reading some of the talking points that you shared with me, it's like, oh, my gosh, our audience is in for a wonderful, wonderful time. So um, tune in. I mean, listen in. And, and folks, if you love this conversation as much as I know I'm going to, um, please make sure you share this episode with your friends so that they can all kind of get hold of the same great information and and this is how we grow our audience too so katrine before we get into the nitty-gritty of what we're going to talk about i would love you to tell a little bit about yourself maybe your family your hobbies and and i hear there's a really interesting little love story in there so why don't you go ahead and just take a few minutes and and talk about that okay um, well, my background is that um, I actually moved here from Germany 50 years ago, so I have a, a strong connection to, to Europe and to my German roots still, um, and I love to travel. Um, my daughter is now 25, and she's definitely a, a great part of my life, although she does live on her own now and has her own life, too. I have a, a furry child, a four-legged child who's 10, and she keeps me quite busy, my dog. Okay. Um, and about six... Go, I'm sorry? No, I didn't say anything. Go ahead. Um, uh, so then about six, six and a half years ago, I met uh, my, my life partner. And to me, this is really a special story because... When I was diagnosed at 46, I was single, and I had been single for 16 years. I had been in relationships, but never really met the one I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And about five years before my diagnosis, I had moved to Portland and was really focused on reinventing myself and um, creating my career out here and taking care of my daughter. And things were going well, and I was kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel of all of that uh, work and decided, okay, I, I think I'm ready for a relationship again and to pursue that part and put myself out on eHarmony. And four weeks later, I went and had a mammogram and got diagnosed. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm 46 and now I have this breast cancer diagnosis. I'm just never going to meet the right guy anymore because mm. who's going to want me after this? You know? That must have been very devastating but, for you. You know, to feel yeah, that it way. was it was uh, it threw me for a loop for sure, and for a while I really struggled with that question. And I had some wonderful wise friends though who who said to me, "No, you are now in the position to meet the right man because he's going to love you for exactly how you are and who you are." Aww. And they were so right, and I was so fortunate. I I had actually bought a bicycle. Um, before my diagnosis and was going to start bicycling and maybe join a bicycling club so I could kind of learn more of the routes that were outside of the city. And then I got the diagnosis, so I had to basically hang up my bicycle for the year and go through my cancer treatment process. And once my final reconstructive surgery was done, I I thought, okay, this is my time now to restart my life and, and jump in with both feet. And I dusted off my bicycle and I researched some local bicycling groups and I found one that, that kind of called to me and I joined it. And a few months later, I met Bill and we started bicycling together and talking and sharing about our lives. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to just tell him where I'm at and what's happened to me this past year. And I just was very open about it. And he was open about his own health journey and he had some personal challenges himself and we just clicked and 
And um, a really wonderful love story came out of that. So I just want to, I'm sharing this story because I want to give all those young survivors or even older survivors who are single and still hoping for love the hope that, yes, love does come and can come even after breast cancer. So I love that story. story on that. And, and what I really love there is, I mean, you didn't waste any time telling him. You just, Sharon Hennepin, who was the other co-founder of Breast Friends, we started this together 20 years ago. She was a host on this show with me for quite a long time before she retired. And when she met her husband, um, she'd already been through it. And she kind of went through the same thing. But I, I was I always kind of joke about she would walk up to people when she'd meet them and you know you meet a lot of the wrong ones before you meet the right ones and and she um she put her hand out and say hi i'm sharon i'm a i'm a breast cancer survivor <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> let's just put it out there it kind of takes away that when do i tell them you know concept you just right. just tell them right up front sounds like that's kind of what you did too huh yeah i just thought well you know he should know right away and yep. you know that'll kind of gauge whether this is this has any potential or not and but he he handled it so he handled it so beautifully and and uh, it was it was easy so well that's that's really great so what was what were you doing in your life before cancer i mean i know you're you've been doing the work that you're doing now were were you doing that at the same you know before cancer or is this you know so yeah tell me a little bit about what was going on in your life before cancer so I had made it. I had lived in Florida for about thirteen years and had gone to massage school there. Okay. Um, this was my second career, actually. I initially um, graduated from the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with a degree in international relations and worked in corporate banking in New York City. And later on, we're going to talk about um, values, and that's kind of a story around that. But. I, I realized, long story short, that that wasn't the right career. I had I moved to Florida, and um, kind of through some synchronistic events, ended up working myself with a massage therapist, receiving massage, and really felt called to pursue that. I also liked the idea of working for myself, so I built my first practice in Florida, and then worked there for eleven years, and made a choice to move out to the West Coast. So four and a half years before my diagnosis, I made this move with my daughter. Okay. She was 14 and um, and and struggled with the decision. She she struggled with it because, of course, she's a teenager and I'm, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm forcing her to leave her friends, right? So she was quite right. mad at me for a while. And so the first four years, I would say, were really tough. They were transitional years. I was building my practice, raising my teenager, um, and kind of reestablishing myself in a new city. So I went through a period of a lot of stress. And um, I was kind of coming out of that and saw the light at the end of the tunnel. My practice had finally kind of settled into something I could rely on. We moved from a small, tiny apartment to a, a rental home. And I was able to financially afford health insurance, and I went to my naturopath, and she said, you know, you're 46, you've never had a mammogram, let's go send you out for a baseline. Well, that turned into a diagnosis at that point, um, oh boy. which then changed my life. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of would. what my life looked like before. Cancer. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that your diagnosis taught you many valuable lessons, and so what changed for you after cancer? Besides, of course, meeting Bill, um, who is still part of your life to this day. And so, what what else changed for you after your after your diagnosis? 
No, I think my perspective on life really changed uh, years ago, way before my diagnosis. I had a massage client who was very wise, and we would chat sometimes during our sessions, and he said to me, now, Katrine, I have to wake up every morning and decide whether I'm going to be a victor or a victim today. And he says, it's a conscious Mm. choice. And that stuck with me all those years. And when I received that diagnosis, I went through some self-pity, and I really questioned why had this happened to me and what did I do wrong. All these normal thoughts, I think, that a lot of us go through when we hear those words, you have breast cancer, um, But what I realized is that I had to make a choice of how I was going to approach this. Was I going to buy into the idea that I am now a victim of this life path of this disease or am I going to choose to be a victor um, and make my decisions and take actions from that perspective because really that choice really guides you in how you're going to move forward and what your approach is going to be to life. I love that. I wrote that down. I just wrote that down because that's really valuable and it's probably something that you decide every day when you wake up and is today the day I'm going to be a victim or a victor I I'm going to if you don't mind I'd like to embrace that theory myself so um I really I I love that I really do well you know I don't want to run out of time and I know there's so much more we could talk about just leading up to this moment but I would really like to um kind of get to the heart of a part of your story. And I know one of the things that, that you did recently, you did a workshop for Breast Friends here in Oregon. And, you know, the feedback has was great. And I people were really appreciating it. And so I asked you when I invited you on to come and talk to kind of share some of those messages. And and one of the things that I that really struck me was the conversation about self-love because you know self-love sometimes gets confusing to people because it's like well isn't that selfish isn't that you know you know self-centered and and all that so and it's not obviously but I think we need to understand a little bit more about what what is self-love and how do we use it as the foundation for moving forward because you're very very intent on on teaching that, and I and I know there's a great message in there. So why don't you speak to that for a couple minutes? So I believe that we all came in with one primary relationship to work on in this lifetime, which is really the relationship with ourself. That has to be the foundation of of our life because it really infiltrates and affects all aspects of our life and. Narcissism is really the absence of self-love. A narcissistic person is always looking for the approval of others because they didn't find it within themselves yet. And so they are competing out there. They might be putting other people down in order to make themselves look better. Um, they may be doing things that on the outside look very generous, but but the, the energy behind it, the intent behind it is there's a lack there. Self-love, on the other hand, is really about embracing yourself to, in your totalness, in your total humanness. It's, it's about having self-compassion. It's about having self-acceptance, self-respect. Um, and so it's a different energy. And, and when you can cultivate that, and I think in our culture we're not taught to cultivate that. And that's why I think so many people are struggling with their lives. And that's why I feel it's so so important to learn. 
It seems like some of us put conditions on our self-love. Can you explain what that means? Because I've heard that before, too, and I I think our audience would, would appreciate that information. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times we feel like I'm not acceptable the way I am, but, for example, if I lose 10 pounds, then I'll feel better about myself. I'll, I can accept myself then. Or if I can get my finances in order, then I'll be, then I'll know I'm good enough, right? So we have conditions that we put out there on ourselves. Um, And sometimes we often, well, actually not sometimes, often we compare ourselves with other people and think, okay, when, when I can do this as good as she does it, then I'll be okay. So these are the kind of, this kind of conditional thinking that we often place ourselves into. And really what, you know, I actually heard a wonderful interview with Pema Chodron. She's a Buddhist monk in Oprah Winfrey. And, and Pema Chodron says that um, true awakening is being able to fully embrace your humanness, so all of your shortcomings as well as all of your strengths. And, and I think um, that's a really powerful uh, piece that, that lets go of those kind of conditions. Well, that's, yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. Um, because we do tend to, to look in the mirror and say, gosh, if I just didn't have this extra chin, I would be so much more attractive and people would like me better and, and then I could love myself. I know. I mean, I've, I've had weight issues off and on a good chunk of my life. And, um, and I, I remember having those, those thoughts myself. And it seems like there's always something that just needs to be a little bit better in order for us to really fully love ourselves. And, you know, something about with cancer, it kind of, it can either make that worse or it can actually open your eyes a little and go, hmm, maybe I need to stop sweating the small stuff you know, and right. think about this a little bit differently. So, so that's really good. Well, you know what? We're actually at our first break. So we're going to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk about the actions that reflect self-love. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Female cancers affect women. But women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. 
By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with life coach Katrine Fink about how we as survivors can shed all of our old truths and move forward into our new lives feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about the possibilities. And just before the break, we were talking about um, self-love and we talked about narcissism and conditional self-love. But now we want to talk more specifically about the actions that reflect self-love. So, and I know that there's probably a lot of conversation around that. So why don't we speak on that for the next few minutes? So what are the actions that reflect self-love? So one of the most powerful things you can do is, number one, basically love and accept your uniqueness. You know, I think of, we, I think of humanity as a part of nature, and you, and you think about snowflakes. There's no snowflake that's the same as another snowflake, and so we are that too. So sometimes we like think that we're weird or different or strange, but we're just unique, but everybody's unique. So just making peace with your own uniqueness, your own creativity, um, who you are. Also, honoring your own feelings and knowing that your feelings do matter and that you have a right to voice them. I think sometimes we are taught to suppress our feelings and that our feelings are not good or shouldn't be heard. So honoring your feelings is really important to self-love. When I think about feelings, you you know, feelings are just feelings. They're not right or wrong. They just are. And I think sometimes we we get afraid to share them because what if that feeling is wrong? If it's a feeling, it's it's not wrong. I mean, it's it is it's coming from somewhere, and and you have to be able to express it in order to to explore it. I think. So I, right. it, you're you're right. It's very yeah. important. So what else? So also listening to ourselves, listening to our own inner guidance, to our own heart, you know, and trusting that that's. That's a part of loving ourselves and and becoming more one with the deeper aspects of ourselves. Um, recognizing and acknowledging an, our, our needs. Excuse me. I was going to see if you could provide an example of that, but I think you were just getting to it. So, um, but you know, listening to our hearts. What what does that mean exactly? So it's really also just 
being in tune with with your own needs, with with your own truth, um, not overriding that with intellect and maybe what you should do, but learning to listen to what you really want to do. Um, you know, so often we are prone to make other people happy or we feel like in order to be accepted, we have to do something that um, is in alignment with what our culture believes or what the people around us believe, but deep inside of us, that doesn't resonate. So learning to honor our own truths and be creative enough to live our life accordingly to that, um, that's a really powerful piece of, of loving yourself and honoring your uniqueness. Yeah, that, that's that's great. Sorry, I'm getting choked up here. <clears throat> Um, so, and you've already talked about loving and accepting our own uniqueness, um, which obviously is a big part of this. So once, once we've kind of gotten to that place, you know, and I know we're kind of doing the short version. This is like, was an all day workshop, as I recall, when you did it at Breast Friends. So if we run out of time, we just may have to have you come back and, and do some more for us. (laughs) But, um, but so loving and accepting our uniqueness, understanding what our listening to our hearts and feeling all that, just so we can really get to the truth about who we are. And then we get to this place where we talk about powerful action of self-love. So what, what are, um, what's the most powerful action of self-love? The most powerful thing we can do on our own behalf is to let go of guilt self-criticism and self-judgment because those are just poisonous to us on so mm. many levels, including physically as well. How do we, we do that? We do that by, by forgiveness. So we just have to remember that we are on a, a human journey. None of us are born and get it right out of the gate, right? We're all on a path of growth and development and awakening and, and, you know, for the most part, we, we are all doing our very best at every stage of life with the knowledge we have at that time. And we have to remember that, you know, we may know more today than we did 10 years ago, but we did the best we could 10 years ago. And to remember that, you know, sometimes I think we have to kind of imagine like and treat ourselves like, um, like we would maybe our own daughter or son. And we have much more compassion towards our children than we do to ourselves. So really learning to forgive ourselves for our humanness, for our mistakes, for our shortcomings, forgive ourselves for our short-sightedness in the past, and remind ourselves that we really were trying to do the best that we could with what we had at that time. Boy, that's, it just seems like that's so easily said, but so difficult to do at times, doesn't it? Yeah, Are, it, it's practice. It's it's not something that happens overnight. I still work on all those pieces myself every day, you know. Um, but I think the more you you practice it, it, it becomes more a part of a natural flow for you and something you kind of think about a little bit more often. So it's, it's, so it's learning how, to work with that. That all makes such perfect sense. And so how can self-love improve our life? You know, self-love and and letting go of past mistakes allows us to be fully present in the now. Um, It it offers us inner peace. I love that. It reduces stress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, 
when when we learn to have more compassion with ourselves, we learn to have more empathy and compassion with other people. Um, we also are less reactive to other people if we love ourselves more. So love is really, it's, it's a gift that keeps on giving. As we learn to love and appreciate ourselves, we become more loving to others and we give out more love. So it's, it's, um, it's a, a gift that kind of has a ripple effect. Boy, I bet. And you know, one of my favorite words, and my husband and I have actually been talking about this word a lot because I think it's, it's very underrated how important it is, but that, that word is kindness. And I think that when we feel better about ourselves and we can be forgiving to ourselves and it's, it's that kindness, I think, comes easier because then we're able to, you know, be forgiving to other people. And I, I think there's a role for kindness and all of that. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you learn to, to be more compassionate to yourself and kind mm-hmm. to yourself, you naturally are more kind and, and compassionate and forgiving towards others. Definitely. Yeah. It all makes sense. Well, let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about values because I know as a certified life coach, which you are, um, values is becomes a really important part of the work that you do with with your clients. And so let's let's get really clear on what that means. So if you can explain what you mean by values, um, let's start there. I know this is very low level, but um, talk to me like I'm in third grade for just a moment. <laughs> just get us really clear on, on <laughs> no, what, is, is, what does it mean? Yeah, so values are, um, values are really what is important to us in life, you know, and a lot of us adapt values from our parents and from our culture initially, um, and then as we get older and we mature and we come into our own, we kind of realize that some of these values that we've adopted are like old shoes that are the wrong size and they don't fit and they actually hurt. So when I talk about values, I talk about ideas such as um, freedom, um, truth, nature, creative expression, uh, time with your children. So whatever is important to you in life. Um, and I earlier I mentioned that I had a career in, in corporate banking, and this was a value that actually came, came to me from my father. My father was a corporate executive, very successful in business. He um, spoke several languages, and when I graduated from high school, I really didn't know what to do with my life, and I thought, well, my father has a great career path. I'm bilingual. I might as well try this out. And so I, I got involved in corporate banking. And after a certain amount of time, I I woke up unhappy every day. And by Friday, I was elated because it was the end of the week. And by Sunday <laughs> afternoons, I was in tears. And I was in my place. So I recognized through that process that my father's value of a secure, corporate, structured work environment wasn't who I was. And so... Thank goodness I woke up from that and and uh, got in touch with my creative nature and my entrepreneurial spirit and my love for um, of of helping others heal and and create a better life for themselves and I ended up in the path you know down the road that I took with massage and now life coaching and and I have joy in my life because of that so that's kind of an example of how 
we might take on values when we're younger and later on recognize that they're just not right for us anymore. You know, and look, looking at the political scene going on right now, we're, no, we're not going to talk politics, but when you think about, you know, it's, it's like right front and center at the moment. In fact, to, today they're announcing the winners of the New Hampshire primary. But how many of us as children took on the political values of our parents? You know, they're registered one party or another, so we believe that that's the only way to go. And then as we mature and age a little bit, we start to come up with our own um party platform I guess that we support and we might find it's completely different to our parents dismay that we <laughs> feel and believe something completely different than they did and uh, but we still love our parents that's okay um, but yeah I mean we see it in, in in the political world you know we we grow up believing one thing and then end up having our own our own decisions on all of that so you know, yeah, it happens a lot. So our values do change throughout life. And I would imagine they also change based on circumstances and things that we experience. I mean, I have a value where I really, I really want to help, you know, cancer patients feel whole again and, and find those things that they love in life. But it wasn't always about cancer patients before I had a connection there so our values do change and that doesn't make them wrong or that they were ever wrong they just they we have new we approach life with new filters sometimes and and then our values can change along with that is that right or am I barking up a tree here (laughs) yeah no no absolutely you're totally right on and what's really important is to to get clear on what your values are and to assess whether your life incorporates those values to the degree that you um, are passionate about them. Because what happens, for example, when I was in my coaching program, we did this kind of values assessment and one of my, my um, the other students did this values assessment and she had a, a she kind of had a high-power corporate career and recognized that um, her her love of her family time and her children were a higher priority than her career. And she went back to her husband and had a conversation, and they decided to leave their jobs in Portland, move out to um, Olympia, and she was going to become a business coach so that she could spend more time at home with her children. So my point in sharing this is that it's really important to recognize whether you are living in according to your values because when you're not, it creates a type of friction, an inner unsettled and, and even stressful place and, and can mm-hmm. be a cause of, of dis-ease, right, which leads yeah. to illness. So it's really important that you recognize what's important to you and bring that into your life. Well, it's kind of like you said, you know, when you were in that job, when you were younger, you couldn't wait for Friday, basically, and then you cried on Sunday because you knew you had to go back the next day. That's certainly not living within your own within your own value beliefs, and um, and that is a miserable place because we so many of us spend so much of our life in exactly that situation, and, you know, I was in corporate America for many years, and... Um, did did a pretty good job, you know, had good numbers and but there there was kind of always a saying there that you're only as good as your last set of numbers that you produced. And, you know, everything else, nothing else mattered. So when I did finally quit my job after my second battle with breast cancer, it took me two of them to kind of figure out that I needed to leave there. Um, 
I, I had they had me replaced within a week, but but where would they miss me the most? And that's at home, you know, to to be able to go back yeah. and be with my family and my husband and and put all that nonsense behind me was was wonderful. Now we know that not everyone can do that, um, but even if you can start to develop a hobby that that allows you to work with your values and start to find a different a different way and maybe sometimes those hobbies turn into something a little bit more so so we're not encouraging everyone to go out and quit their job while they're in self-discovery mode but but at least start the self-discovery mode because it may change what you want to do with your future so i don't know it's exactly. it's hard you know when you got a cancer diagnosis and you're battling that too it's like ah where, where do we stop doing that and so we can you know look forward and and it, it's it's a it's a dance in a way, you know, we still have to get through all yeah. the treatments and do all those things. But, but at some point in time when we can do the things that we love, it's, it's so important. Well, we're going to take another break here in just a minute, but let's just real queer. Um, how do we, how do our personal beliefs empower us? And so I just kind of need the quick answer and then we'll pick it up on the other side. So, um, so yeah, let's talk about personal beliefs and how, how do they empower us? Well, one of my favorite authors, Jen Sincero, has a quote. She says that beliefs are driving the bus. They take you where you're going, whether you're paying attention or not. And I think that summarizes the power of our beliefs. Yeah, it does. That's a good one. Are are guiding us. And then you said something to me earlier about repetitive thoughts. Um, We accept that as truth. Is that, I'm I'm sure I missed misstating that so it has to do with beliefs are well, our, our, yeah our beliefs our beliefs really are thoughts that we've um, thought over and over again and eventually have accepted as our truths with a little t um, yeah. so and, and our belief systems come from the the beliefs and the truth that people who raised us and, and guided us when we were young kind of um, shared with us and we absorbed and then kind of our interpretation of life. So the combination of those things create a belief system. And the sad part is a lot of those beliefs actually are very fear-based. And um, and that's where we kind of get ourselves into trouble because we so often are functioning on autopilot rather than really becoming aware of what am I believing and mm. is my belief really taking me in the direction I want to go. Well, let's talk about that when we come back on the other side of the break, because I, I think that that's probably super important. So um, so stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute, and we will pick this up on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? 
It's time to uncover that feeling, again, with the compassion of a cross and shield, and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states, giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance, like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with with. Certified Life Coach Katrine Fink, and this is such a great conversation. So just before the break, we were talking about limiting beliefs, but before we go into that, just real quick, um, you were talking about the power of thoughts and the impact that those thoughts have, and it reminded me of a quote that I heard from our guest last week, um, Patrick Quillen, and he was quoting Deepak Chopra, where he said, and he said at one point that every cell in our body is eavesdropping on our thoughts. And I love that so much because what that says to me is when we have negative thoughts, the cells in our body respond negatively. When we have positive thoughts, the cells in our body respond positively. And is is that, does that go along with what you're sharing with us today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's been so much research in the last years that our thoughts, directly affect our brain and how our brain functions and so and they've 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 uh, they've done the scientific research around this that positive thoughts cause the brain to produce um, chemicals um, that that have positive effects on ourselves and on our DNA and in the same way negative thoughts cause things like uh, cortisol levels and adrenaline levels to to increase, which have uh, a negative a negative effect effect on ourselves. So positive thoughts definitely affect affect our physical reality, affect our emotional reality, um, and our mental reality in in a positive way. Where negative thoughts have a, a negative effect on the body, on the mind, and the spirit. So that's that's very correct. Um, and something to be aware of is that. 
I mentioned earlier that so many of us are running around on autopilot, and I I was reading the other day that we have 60,000 to 70,000 thoughts per day, and 90% of what those thoughts were yesterday will will reoccur today because we function on autopilot. And so we have to really become intentionally aware of what kind of... um, thoughts that we are thinking because they truly are continuously affecting all of us, including our our DNA and our physical well-being. Oh, I so believe that. You know, there sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a hard time sleeping and getting to sleep, you know, with all this stuff going on. And I know when I wake up or get up in the morning when I didn't get any sleep the night before, I'm kind of a mess. You know, I don't feel... I don't feel a lot of joy like I should have when I, I just want to bounce out of bed and have joy, you know, and sometimes I do, there's no doubt, but, but sometimes when you just have those thoughts rolling around in your brain and they just, they're just causing all kinds of negative emotions and things to come out, it's, it's not a comfortable place to be and I don't, I, we're still trying to figure out how to, how to, what to do when that happens and I'm sure that we could probably do a whole class on that. So, but and I don't think we have time to do that, but um, let's let's go to limiting beliefs and because I know that sometimes we limit things that we believe we can do. And I want you to talk about that. Um, what what is what's happening there? So anytime you hear the word in your own mind, can't, never, impossible, those are all words that indicate that your your belief is limiting you. Um, we have some cultural beliefs that are very limiting, like, and, and many of us have kind of accepted these as part of what what is a societal norm, like money doesn't grow on trees. You can't always get what you want. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. All of these kind of beliefs, and even the belief I'm a victim, uh, disempower us and, and create a limitation on on the kind of life that we can have. And so really awareness, of what we are thinking is the first step in to reclaiming our power over our thoughts. Um, and, and it's, you know, we can become aware by anytime you put yourself into a situation where you're out of your comfort zone, notice what kind of automatic thoughts are happening in your brain. You know, oftentimes, like when I step out and do something new, I'll feel, you know, like, oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm not a great speaker. I you know, I, so, so-and-so is so much better than I am. These are all my own uh, recordings of, of limiting beliefs that I've just kind of accepted and, and, and still I'm working on clearing out. So to, awareness is really the first step in, in starting to um, choose better feeling thoughts. Well, let's let's go through some of those steps because, you know, I think a lot of us get stuck there, you know, and I and if there we do have some time here in this last segment to maybe try to work through some of the steps. Okay, so step one is awareness, just being aware that we are limiting ourselves by believing that we can't do this. We could never do this. It's it's impossible to do this. And so we don't try what how. So awareness is first. What's what's second? And I know we didn't talk about this ahead of time, so I hope I'm not <laughs> throwing you under the bus here. Because, oh. um, I, but I have a yeah. feeling you've got the so, answers to this. So let's let's explore that. So what's what's a great thing to do is to look at the aspect of your life that doesn't seem to be working as well as you want, and then to do some journaling around it. So if it's your health. 
journal around what, what are you believing about your health? What do you believe is true for you? What have you been taught about health? Um, and that kind of allows you to see what's been functioning in your subconscious mind. So that's going back to awareness. And then what you want to look at is really where do you want to go with that? What is your, what is the end goal? Where, what would you really want to have? And to create an affirmation out of it. So an affirmation in terms of health could be, um, you know, I am whole and complete. I have energy, all the energy that I need every day. Um, my health is getting better every day. So we're taking a, a statement of what we really want to have and we, st- we start the, actually what we're doing is retraining our brain to create some new neural pathways to adopt this new idea. And that's what people have called positive affirmations. But there is so much science behind that now because um, if you take a positive affirmation and put the emotion and the feeling into it of actually having that truth in your life, you start to create a new neural pathway in your brain. And as you repeat that several times a day or how often you can a day, over time it starts to actually create a new uh, pathway in the brain and that becomes it becomes you. It becomes your truth. And when you really start to believe it, that's when things start to change. And, you know, um, know, go ahead. I I love what you're saying here. And let's just take this one step further because we still have time. Um, When we write a positive affirmation, we write it as if it already was not what we want it to be. For example, if you are looking to, you know, be to be more fit and maybe that means you have to exercise more and all of that. The Sometimes I think we mistake the positive affirmation with a sentence that's something like, I want to be more fit, I want to exercise more. But that's not really the positive affirmation. The positive affirmation would be taking that same thought and writing it as if it already is. I am a fit, healthy person. I exercise regularly. I eat right. So you you write it down as if you're already doing it. And when your brain hears it often enough, it begins to believe that and then you begin to behave in those ways. Is that right? Or am I just interpreting my own version? (laughs) No, that's exactly right. Um, Because the brain doesn't differentiate between a thought and reality. So when you're telling your brain, I am fit, that's the programming that the brain starts to adopt. And then, as you said, the more often you do it, you, it, it begins to settle in the brain and the brain begins to create um, and, and look for ways to actually express that truth. And a great example of that is, is professional athletes. You will often see in the Olympics um, swimmers or skiers with their eyes closed in a meditative place before they do their run or their lap or their game, and what they're doing is they're visualizing the perfect run or the perfect lap, and they're going and 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 visualizing the the way they want it to be, the perfect outcome, and and they've done so much research around that, and and it actually it works because what they're doing is they're training their brain to to act the way um, they really want it to to be. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Now that so makes perfect totally sense. Right so if you're if you're looking for a job and you it's a job that you really want, you know that you would be really good at it. If you approach the job as if you already have it, you start dress you dress differently, you sound differently when you go in for the job interview, you you know, you interview differently because there's a confidence level. You in your mind, you already have the job, and and, and I know it's it's kind of, it's a tough thing to accept if you've never done this. But when I was um, selling Tupperware many many years ago, I was trying to be a stay-at-home mom and sell Tupperware at the same time, and I found kind of quickly that the best way to make money as a Tupperware um, salesperson was to become a manager and you get a company car and you have a unit and all of that. Well, to become a manager required several steps and I was nowhere near fulfilling any of the steps to be a manager. But what I did is using positive affirmations, I told myself that I already was a Tupperware manager and when I would call people on the phone to try to get bookings, I told them that I am building my, my team as a manager and I'm looking for great people to be in my team. I didn't tell them I wasn't one yet. I didn't say I was, but, but I developed a whole different persona. I got up in the morning. I got dressed. I called people on the phone. I'm building my unit. And people were coming to my unit. They wanted to be part of this. And and before I knew it, I was a Tupperware manager. I visualized the, the candle scene and the the candle lighting ceremony and I envisioned them handing me the keys to my car. And so the day it happened, it went down pretty much exactly like, like I had envisioned it. And had I not done that, it probably never would have happened because I would have really struggled. And, but by just believing that I already was one, it, it just kind of changed the way everything around me and the way people responded to me. And it's just, it's an amazing science. I, uh, yeah, you know, I don't really know what, exactly all the reasons why it works, but but that's one example of how it can work for you. So, um, so one last question. Um, uh, you know what? We don't even really have time for this last question. So, I'm going to have to have you back because there's still so much more we can talk about. But I want to thank you so much, Katrine, for being on my show today for being a guest you've been wonderful how can people reach you if they want to talk to you about enrolling in maybe your life coaching program I know our audience is global so they can't all do that but um, do you have a website or a, a email they can reach out to you through yeah absolutely so coaching I can do over the phone or through zoom video so you don't okay. have to be local for coaching okay good. Um, the best way to get a hold of me is through my website so it's KatrineSink.com, Katrine with a K, and then Sink is F, F-I-N-K, F like in fish. Um, I can also put out uh, my email, which is Katrine at KatrineSink.com, um, but all the information's on my website, and there's a special there for coaching right now, a New Year's special, so I'm, I'm happy to work with anybody who's interested. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for, for being on, and we'll figure out another time when we can have you back and just continue this conversation. So we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There's always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.